If we haven't met before, my name is Brandon, and it is so awesome to uh, meet you. I'm a student ministry associate here, which means I move chairs and I preach on Wednesdays. So um, if I look a little different than I looked outside, guys, I fixed my hair. I, I fixed my hair, guys, just for you guys. I put in hair gel. I washed the hair gel off my hands, and now we're here today. Okay. I do? Oh, it's okay. We'll fix it later. Thank you. Thank you. We, we'll get in touch with my stylist. We'll figure this out. Okay, guys. Well, I hope you're having an awesome week. So today we're going to dive into some scripture. Can anyone tell me what in the world we've been talking about? We're talking about who is Jesus. That's awesome. That's great. We're talking about who Jesus is. And we have a memory verse. So before we put the memory verse up there, because anyone guess what it is? Or maybe you have it memorized. That'd be so awesome. What? Andrew, you have a hand up? I was just chewing. Pause. John 1, 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Awesome. So that's the memory verse. That's what we've been talking about. And today, actually, some of you might be cheering so happy. Today's the last day of the series. So this is, this is the last day of the series, Who is Jesus? And the next week, we're going to talk about Philemon, which is a really awesome book of the Bible. What's up, Ben? You memorized the verse in Latin? Okay, well, we're going to, at the end of this, you're going to get up here and say, come on up here, Ben. Come on up here, Ben. Guys, Ben knows it in Latin. Ben knows it in Latin. Leanne, you, really? Lydia, come up here. Lydia, where are you? Where are you up here? Come on up. You guys can both do it in Latin? Really? I forgot about Latin. Okay, if you guys could say it in Latin, come together. Lydia, come right here. Right here, Ben, come right here. Please say it in Latin. Go ahead. In principio erat verbum, et verbum erat apud deum, et deums erat verbum. I couldn't say it better myself. And you could do it in sign language? Lydia, do you want to do it in sign language too? No? Okay, go ahead and take a seat. I'll, let, I'll give you a okay, round of applause. Round of applause. So that, that's our memory verse. Good job. Yeah, surprise. I wish I knew that. I would have made it into a sermon illustration. Okay, so we've been talking about who Jesus is, right? So I'm going to do a little bit of a recap for us. So the first week we talked about, can anyone tell me, Jesus has always been what? Jesus has always been God, right? We start off with Jesus has always been God. That means for all of time, since everything has ever been, Jesus has always been fully God, right? And then, and then we talked more, and we talked about that Jesus came to earth being fully God and becoming fully what? Man, right? So yeah, so Jesus has always been God, and then he came to earth being God and became and fully man, right? So he was fully God, fully man. And then on the next week, we talked about Jesus was the perfect, start to the T, start to the T. Jesus was the perfect T, tutu? No, Jesus was the perfect T, teacher, right? So Jesus was the perfect teacher, and then we talked about that Jesus, we talked about this last week, Jesus was the perfect what? Starts with an S. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. So we talked about Jesus being God and who he is, what he's been doing, and that's what we've been talking about these past few weeks. And so now we're going to close up the series, but here's the thing. Even though we're closing up this series on who is Jesus, I'm going to promise you something. You're going to spend the rest of your life learning more and more and more and more about who Jesus is. Because yes, Jesus is God, but God is, is so complex and so cool and so infinite. There's so much to learn about him. So even though we're ending the series, there's still so much to learn about Jesus. So I want you guys to know that. So today, 
we're going to be talking about is something really cool. We're talking about that Jesus is king. So today we're talking about who is Jesus, and the answer today is Jesus is king. And to do that, we're going to go into a book that some people find really intimidating, and, and, and it can be scary, but it's a really awesome book that teaches a lot about Jesus. It's Revelation. So today we're going to be in the book of Revelation, and we go home and you say, Mom, Dad, read Revelation maybe for the first time today, but we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why we're reading the book of Revelation. So just so you guys know a little bit, Revelation is written by John, right? That's awesome. John wrote the book of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and Revelation, right? So he wrote quite a few. And so Revelation is all about um, Jesus gives this revelation, gives this, gives this vision, um, gives this, uh, this prophecy to John, and John writes it down. And what it talks about is it talks about what we call the end times or kind of the end of the world, which can kind of sound scary, but for a Christian, we're going to talk about how that's actually really, really comforting. And so within this, we believe that John wrote it around in the island of Patmos in the mid-90s AD. Some people say like 54 AD, but it's more likely 90 AD because I know you guys love talking about dates so much. So Revelation is specifically addressed specifically to the first seven, to seven churches in the Roman provenance of Asia. It's now Turkey, but the message is for churches everywhere. So while there's some stuff that's kind of like specifically talking about these seven churches, the message in general is for everyone, okay. But the whole point of this book about the book of Revelation or the letter of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, right, is about Jesus is coming back, and when Jesus is coming back, he is king, and that's going to give us comfort, and that's going to give us, oh my goodness, it's so awesome. So we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll dive into it. So we're going to be in Revelation chapter 9, verses 11 through 16, and I'm going to give you a little bit of context, a little bit more context. So basically how the book of Revelation starts is it starts off with John, and he's being talked to by an angel, and this angel is teaching him about kind of this revelation. And he talks about how there's going to be end times and different things that happen and different prophecies that are going to occur. And then he talks about that Jesus is going to come back, right? He's going to come back, and he's going to fight this final battle. And in this final battle, he's going to defeat evil once and for all, Right? So that's, what, that's what's, what's happening. And so in chapter 19, uh, chapter 19 Revelations 19, verses 11 through 6, we're going to talk about this final battle. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into it. Verse 11 through 16, and before we do, I'm going to pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your word. Please bless it. Allow us to dive into it, learn more about you for the purpose of glorifying you, God, and learning more about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened up. This is John talking. Then I saw heaven opened up and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. In righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name written on it that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, which he used to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with an iron rod. He will tread on the winepress of fury, of wrath of God, the Almighty, on his robe, on his robe and on his thigh. He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Whew, it's a lot. 
That's a lot, right? That's a lot. And this, this particular thing we just read, you're, if, I, if I asked you who that's talking about, who do you guys think this is talking about? We're talking about someone with eyes of fire um, on his head. Is, it says diadems, which is a crown, and a name written that no one else knows. He's in a robe that has blood on it. Who do you think it is? Go for it, Olivia. Go for it. The Word of God? The Word of God? Yeah, so it's Jesus, right? So this is talking about Jesus, and it's probably talking about Jesus in a way you've probably never heard, and it's talking about him coming back for the final time. It's talking about him coming back for the final time. And when I read this, what I think about is a show called Full House. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this show. Maybe you've seen reruns. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the show Full House. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to tell Mike. He thought no one would. Okay, good. That's awesome. Okay, I want to talk to you about this really cool show, Full House. Right? You've seen Fuller House? Oh, yeah, Fuller House. I forgot about Fuller House. How many of you guys have seen Fuller House, too? Okay, cool. Cool. Okay, 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 cool. Well, okay, well, I'm going to tell you a quick story from that show. I used to love watching that show with my mom. Okay, there's one time, there's this episode, there are two guys, and they live together. One's Uncle Joey, no, one's Uncle Jesse, and one's Joey. And what happens is they're watching a basketball game, and they, they, they bet that one guy says, I think this team's going to win. The other guy says, I think this team is going to win, right? And, and they bet to see who's going to win. And then as the game goes, Uncle Jesse is getting really tense. He's getting really stressed. He's starting to sweat. He's freaking out. But his team is winning, and it comes to the end of it, and then Joey's just sitting there so calm. Joey's just, he's just chill as a cucumber, just hanging out, right? Like nothing bad is happening. And he's so calm, even though his team is losing. And then what happens at the very last second of this basketball game they're watching, Joey's team shoots the final basket, a three-pointer from all the way across the other side of the court. And then Joey's team wins. And Joey's, Joey's, Joey's not even surprised. He's just like, yeah, I knew I was going to win. And Je- Uncle Jesse's freaking out. Uncle Jesse's freaking out. Because Joey was just so calm the whole time, even though they were losing the whole game, except for the very last few seconds. And then this character, Michelle, comes in. Michelle's about, I don't know, this tall, and she's walking in the room, and then she touches this ancient thing called a VCR, which has recordings in it. And, they, and, they, and she took out the VCR, and it turns out that Joey had recorded the game, and they were watching a game that wasn't live, but had played earlier. So Joey knew exactly what was going to happen, and Uncle Jesse freaked out on him, right? But we can learn a lesson from that real quick. What's that lesson? When you know what's going to happen, when you know your team is going to win, it makes it a whole lot easier to sit through the losses, right? Where they can just sit back, and here's the thing. In the book of Revelation, when we, we read this passage, we see this passage of victory and ultimately Jesus having victory over everything because he is king. And so when we go through kind of this, these, these hard times, these hardships, we can look for and say, you know what? But the Bible says Jesus is coming back and it says he's king, so it's all going to be okay. So no matter what happens, we know what the ending's going to be. We're a lot like Joey. We know what's going to happen. So today, when we kind of get in this passage, I want to walk through a few things. I want to walk through a few points with you guys, and it's going to be this. It's going to be that Jesus is king. Jesus is king of kings, and we're going to go through a few points. The first one is his plan. The second one is his power. The third one is his people, and the fourth one is his kingship, or that, that he is king. 
So we're going to start with that Jesus is king, and this has always been the plan. So Jesus is king, and this has always been the plan. So if you go to verse 11, it says, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Okay, that's kind of an intense passage, right? It sounds like an intense passage, but we read this. I want you guys to know something, that this has been the plan throughout all of time. Throughout all of time, Jesus is king, and Jesus was coming back after he died and rose again on the cross. It was talked about in this book in the Old Testament called the book of Isaiah, which was written hundreds of years before Jesus actually even was born. It was written in Ezekiel and in other Old Testament prophecies. It's always been the plan that Jesus was going to be a warrior king who was going to save the, war, the world. He was going to be a warrior messiah, a warrior savior, and his name is Jesus. And it's not just in the book of Revelation. It's not that just that Jesus has been kind of hanging out and then all of a sudden in Revelation he becomes like really kind of bad to the bone, this kind of cool, tough dude. No, he's always been king. He's always been a warrior. And we see this in this passage. So let's kind of walk through it. It says, then I saw heaven opened up and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it was called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. So this is John talking here and what's happening is he's seeing a vision of the future of when Jesus is gonna come back to earth and fight the final battle and defeat evil. But here's the thing, Jesus already won on the cross. So when Jesus is coming into this battle, he's riding a white horse. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of symbolism where, like, where a lot of things in this book aren't exactly the exact physical events that are going to happen, but a lot of it is physically symbolizing these things. This is prophecy, this is the truth of God, this is what's going to happen, but there's a lot of symbolism in it. And so when it says he's coming in on a white horse, what that's telling us is that he's coming in and he's already victorious, and he's called faithful, and he's called true. So he's faithful and true to God. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. So this is the plan, that Jesus is going to come back, robed in white, ready for victory because he's already victorious, being faithful and true to the God, word of God, and he will judge the world and make war, meaning that he's actually going to fight evil. But listen, he already won. So we see Jesus in this passage kind of different than we've ever seen him. We see Jesus coming. A lot of the times we like to think that Jesus was kind of this like hippie dude. He was kind of this monk that never like would like lift a finger or do anything. But we see in this passage is that Jesus is a warrior, a loving and gracious warrior. And he's strong. And he already won on the cross and he defeated death and sin. And now he's coming just to show everyone who's boss. And so why is this such a big deal? Why is it important to see that Jesus is king, that he's coming back, and he's coming back to what? He's coming back to judge. So he's coming back to say, this is right, this is wrong, these people have sinned, these people are good because they're covered by me. So, so he's coming back and doing this. So it's important to know because, man, it means our God is a powerful God. It means that Jesus is strong, that he's tough, that he's serious, that he's honest, and that he's true. It means that he's someone we can rely on and know that he's going to win. He's going to fight those battles, and he's going to win them for us. Because if someone comes along and they say, hey, I got you, man. I I'm going to make sure that you do good, and no one's going to hurt you. I'm going to be your bodyguard. Do you want someone that's like this tall and that doesn't know how to fight and doesn't have any power and doesn't have any strength? Or do you want this like six foot three, like macho dude with like giant biceps who knows like kung fu and Kwaikondo, right? And all these things, right? And that's what Jesus is. Jesus is this warrior who's fighting and he's victorious and he's strong. I mean, think about it. 
also, this was always the plan. The plan was for always for Jesus to be king because he always was king. He didn't just start being this person here. So the plan was always for Jesus to be king. And we talked lightly about his power and his authority, but we're going to dive more into that. And that's what verses 12 and 13 do. Verses 11 kind of tells us the plan and tells us what's going to happen. And verses 12 through 13 describe really why we can trust what Jesus is coming and what he was doing. It says in verse 12 and 13, it says, His eyes are like flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. So that's pretty cool, right? I mean, that's a pretty cool description. I mean, if you want to see some really crazy things, look at paintings of images of Jesus from the book of Revelation, and they're going to blow your mind. They're just, they're just crazy cool. It's almost like it's like a fan art, but it's, it's, it's reality. Like Jesus is coming back, and it kind of gives a lot of descriptions, and they're used to teach us about who Jesus is. So a few of these descriptions to show us Jesus' power, that he is king and he has the power to back it up, is this. It says, his eyes are like a flame of fire. So that means that Jesus sees all, that he knows you. You can't pretend or be like, quote, unquote, fake. He sees through you. He sees your heart. He sees who you are. On his head are many diadems, and that's just simply a crown with jewels on it. So what that symbolizes is that Jesus is powerful and he has control. Because the only people that wear that are kings. So Jesus can see all. he's, He's wearing this thing that shows that he's a king. He's wearing this crown. A name written that no one knows but himself. What this shows is that God is so complex, so powerful, that there are things about him that we can never understand. And we're never going to understand until we get to heaven with him. Some people say, uh, there's a quote by this guy named Tozer, and it's really cool. He goes, maybe we're in heaven with God for eternity because that's how long it takes to know him. Because there's so many things about God. And then it says this, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. This means that Jesus has already won the battle, and he is going to come back. And we're going to go back to that one in a second. And the last one is this, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. So this is a reference to our memory verse, John 1, 1, where it talks about Jesus and it gives him the title, the word. Fun fact, John's the the only one to give him this title, the word. We see it in the book of John, I believe in 1 John, and, um, and we also see it in Revelation to give Jesus this title as the word of God, meaning that he's fully the full embodiment of God. All of these descriptions teach us that Jesus sees all, he is ruler of all, he is bigger than all, that he has already won the battle, and that he is God. And if that doesn't show you the power of God, if that doesn't show you how strong he is, how much he can overcome over a situation, then I I don't know what will. But what I want to do is go back and focus real quick on this point. It says he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Now, we'll stop there for a minute because that's kind of intense, right? He's covered in a robe. He's in a robe, and it's dipped in blood. So here's the thing. Jesus is about to go into this big battle, this big fight of, of Armageddon is, is, is what it's called. And so he's about to go in this big battle, but before he goes in this battle, he's already, his robe's already covered in blood. So the question is, why in the world is Jesus' robe already covered in blood if he hasn't yet gone into battle? Oh, you guys, what, you want to go for it? Yeah, what do you think? What do you think? It's, yeah, it's his blood, so that's a great guess. A lot of scholars, so here's an issue where scholars are kind of split down the middle a little bit. 
Some people argue and some people say that, that Jesus has blood on him already because that is the blood of Jesus, of the sacrifice for what he did. Some people say that's kind of the, the more intense one, the blood of his enemies, the victory that he's already won. But either way, it points to one thing, exactly what you're talking about, Lydia. It points to that Jesus already has victory, that Jesus is coming into this battle already victorious, already have won. And this is something that took me a long time to finally realize. When I, when I first went to college, I went to, I couldn't really find a group I fit well, so I went to this group called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I was listening to the pe- preacher, I was listening to him, to him talk for a little bit, he's a pastor that I'm now friends with, and he was, he was talking and he started saying that, you know what, you don't need to worry so much because God's already won the battle. And I kind of woke up a little bit because I, 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 I remembered in my head that Jesus was God. I remember that he saved me. I remember that he had my salvation. I remember that I could trust God. But I forgot one thing. I forgot that Jesus already won the battle. And I forgot that when I walked through my day to day that I could trust, you know what? Jesus already has that blood on his robe because he already fought and he already won and he did it on the cross. And that I can trust him and know that everything's going to be okay. Because maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're a little scared, maybe you're anxious, maybe you're walking through your day kind of fighting, doing your best and putting it all on your shoulders. You know you're not saved by what you do, you're saved by God, but, but still you're trying to impress God or you're trying to fight through these battles of the day. But here's the thing, God already won and you're, already, you're just walking in his victory. And you're walking on it to heaven. And it's not because, that doesn't mean that now you're going to get all this money. That doesn't mean that life's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that there's going to be problems. But it means that God saved you for eternity. That he has you, that no one can take you from his hand. That he gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And that he's going to protect you and guard your salvation. That's what that means. And that's the best peace we can have. That gives us so much joy and so much comfort. And so the kind of question that kind of, ends with when we get in this passage is, okay, so we know how this game is going to end because Jesus already won the battle. So let's talk about his people because that's what this passage does. In verses 14 through 15, it talks about God's people. So we learned about his power. We talked about his plan, and now we're going to talk about his people, verses 14 through 15 that Jesus is king, and we can see it for what he did for his people in verses 14 through 15. And it says, And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, which he used to strike down the nations, and he will rule with a mighty rod of iron. He will tread on the winepress of fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. So in this passage, it shows us two groups of people. It shows us two groups of people. I want you to pay close attention. There's two groups of people. One group is the armies in heaven that are coming with Jesus, and another group are the people that are on earth. I don't want to let you know something. Both of these groups are just people like you and me. Both of these groups, these armies that are coming from heaven are just people. These people on earth that are getting punished are just like you and me, and there's two groups. They're both made out of of human beings, of people just like you and me. Group one is the armies in heaven. So they're what? They're from heaven. They're dressed in fine linen, which means really, really like nice clothes, basically. They're white and pure, and that's not talking about their ethnicity or their race. That's just saying that they're spotless and they're clean. And then finally, the fourth one, they're on white horses, symbolizing victory. And then there's another group of people, the people on earth, and it says they're struck down by God, and they are judged with the full wrath of God. And that's kind of a a scary thing, because there's two groups of people. One is perfectly happy with Jesus, and the other 
are getting punished by Jesus. And so the natural question is, what separates the armies of heaven from the people being judged on earth? And I'm going to tell you this. The difference between the people that are with Jesus that aren't receiving any punishment and the people that are being punished, the difference is not that one group of people aren't sinners because both groups of people are sinners, both have done wrong, both have messed up. The difference is one group of people, the armies from heaven, have accepted God's grace and mercy and have been saved by Jesus on the cross and the others have rejected it. And that's the sad reality. Because here on earth, Jesus has his arms open wide with grace, saying, join me. But if, but if we reject him, when we die, we don't get to be with him in his grace. We get to be with him in punishment, which is, which is called hell, and that's scary, right? And here's the thing. In, in this passage, it's meant to give us comfort because here's the thing. Jesus is coming back to judge the people. He's judging us. And here's the thing. All of us fail that judgment. Because here, here's a quick little test. Have you ever told, don't, don't raise your hand, just think about it in your head. Have you ever told a lie in your life? Well, the answer is probably yes. The really answer is yes. And if you say no, then you're a liar. So boom. So, so, so you've lied. Have you ever used God's name? Which means you ever say, oh my gosh, but you don't say, but this time I didn't say gosh, right? Have you, have you ever done that? Well, that's called, that's called blasphemy. It's a really big deal in the Old Testament. People would die because of it. And so here's the thing. I've fallen short in all those areas. I've sinned in all those areas. I, 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 I've, I've lied. I, I've used the Lord's name in vain. I, 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 I've sinned. I've fallen short. And we all have. Romans 3.23 says everyone has fallen short of the righteousness of God. Everyone has sinned, every single one of us. And so we've sinned. We've been separated from God. And we get this eternal punishment because of who we sinned against. If I go up and I, if I punch you in the face, you'll probably punch me back, right? But if I go up and I punch a police officer in the face, he's going to arrest me. But if I go up and try to punch the President of the United States in the face, before I even get to him, blow dart right in the neck, I'm dead. Why? It's, it's not what I'm doing. It's, it's, it's who I'm doing it to. So when I sin against God, I get this eternal punishment because I've sinned and I'm away from him. Right, And so then we get these eternal judgment. We see Jesus, he's coming back and says he has a sword from his mouth. And what this represents is God's judgment on the people. And he's going to bring their wrath like a, like a wine press. And a wine press like pushes things down. So he's going he's to punish us. And he's going to take us with his wrath because we're sinners. But here's the deal. God says, I love you because you're created in my image. And so he sent Jesus, who's fully God. And Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life. Jesus has always existed. He came, he, was, he became fully man. He's always been fully God, but he became fully man. And so he's fully man and fully God, and he, and he was the perfect teacher. And he was also the perfect sacrifice. And he said, if you believe in me, if you believe that I'm God, if you believe that he, he died on the cross and rose again and paid for your sins, then you don't have to go against the wrath of God anymore. You don't have to be the one at the other end of that sword um, getting pushed down by the wrath of God because Jesus took all of it for you. And because Jesus took every ounce of that wrath for you. You don't have to take it, and you can be in the armies of heaven. You can be with Jesus. In this passage, it doesn't say anything about these armies of heaven having any weapons. It talks about they're, in, they're just in, in nice clothes, that they're pure, and they're following him on white horses symbolizing victory, but they don't have any weapons. You know why? Because Jesus is protecting them, Jesus is leading them, and Jesus is their king. So here's the thing. 
The last point of tonight is this, his kingship, which simply means that Jesus is king. With, with the last verse of this passage, it says something really beautiful and really cool. It says, on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So Jesus is king. He's coming back. He's all powerful and he's a king. But the question is, which side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the side that's going to take his wrath for eternity? Or do you want to be on the side that doesn't because Jesus took it all for you? Because every single person in this room, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. There's nothing too bad you could have done to gone away from God. He's pursuing you. Maybe tonight you're a Christian and you heard this and you're encouraged because you say, you know what? I've sinned, but I know Jesus has me. And you're saying, well, how, how do I even know if I'm a Christian? Well, actually it says this in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, because if you confess through your mouth that what? Jesus is Lord, just like in this passage it says, Jesus, Jesus is King of kings, Lord of lords. If you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You're not saved by what you do. You're saved by the grace of God having faith in him and repenting, which means I don't want to sin anymore, I want God. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9, you're saved by grace through faith, not by works that no man may boast. So Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords. And so the question is, what do you say about him? Because in that lies, if you're going to be in that army of heaven, or the people receiving that wrath. So we're going to talk about today. And maybe you, you're not a Christian. Maybe you've never um, accepted the gospel before. Maybe you've, never, maybe you've never just said Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Maybe you've never believed that. And you're like, well, how do I do that? I'm scared. Well, come talk to us. We want to talk to you. All you got to do is Romans chapter 10, verse 9. God loves you. There's a reason for every single one of you being here. Now what we're going to do is we're going to break up into groups and we're going to talk about this passage more. If you have questions, please ask them. And then we're going to ask you some questions. We're going to have some good discussion, right? And this passage is really encouraging and really beautiful and really amazing if you're a saved Christian. It's amazing. So now we're going to pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for every single person in this room. Thank you for allowing us to read your word. I pray that if anyone is walking away feeling scared, God, that they'd Realize that they don't need to be, they could be comforted by you, God, if they're in your grace, if they confess that you are Lord and believe in what you did on the cross, God, that they can be saved by that. And they will be saved by that glory, God, because of what you have done. Allow them to realize and feel that comfort. If they're not Christians, allow them to talk about it. Please bless this time and this day. We love you. Praise you, worship God. Jesus' name.